Okay, well, I guess I have the burden of, of delivering this line. Good morning, Faith Fellowship. I have, I have to pick up that mantle today. All right, very good. Turn to Ephesians chapter two. I want to share a couple thoughts. Did I say Ephes I did say Ephesians. I didn't mean to say Ephesians. It's because that's as far as I'd gotten in my Bible. I was turning and <laughs> turning and talking. I'm also in Ephesians too. Let's all go to Philippians two, because that that's where there's actually a passage we want to use today. Epaphroditus is. Um, not mentioned very often in the Bible. You don't get a whole lot about him, but you get a little bit of insight from Paul here uh, in, Ephesians, in Philippians chapter 2. Now I'm going to say it all day. In Philippians 2, in verse 19 through 24, Paul starts talking about Timothy and Timothy's role in, in missions. And then he shifts to Epaphroditus in verse 25. And let me read these verses to you. I just want to give you a couple thoughts before we wrap up today. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Therefore, I'm sorry, receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. And so you see Epaphroditus, who in summary, it says, was nigh unto death, the work of the mission. For his role in missions, he almost died. And, the, and, and maybe the saddest part of that summary, it, it says, is because he did this to supply your lack of service towards me because others weren't willing because you as a, as weren't able or weren't willing to go. Epaphroditus took up that, that burden himself and he came and he was the one. He was the only one. He was the one that came and ministered to me. And to put the background, uh, uh, to make it, just make it clear for you guys, so the Philippians Epaphroditus to Paul, while Paul is, is, is uh, a prisoner. And so Epaphroditus takes this journey, uh, which would have taken him roughly 57 days to walk, so almost a two-month journey, uh, taking rest on the Sabbath and then just doing normal walking. Uh, so this is a, a, a big trip, uh, you know, but it's probably, in their context, a short-term mission trip because they're used to walking. So he has to take this walk and he's got to go on this, on this journey because he's delivering certain things to Paul from the Philippian church. And, a, 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 and along the way, we don't have all the details. Somehow a, a, in the journey, he gets sick and he nearly dies as a result of it. You did a little better. Might have, Jeff might have thought you looked dead based on what he was saying. Um, but Epaphroditus nearly died. He gets sick. He gets so sick, he, he's almost dead. And then he ends up recovering from that. And he makes it to Paul and he's able to deliver the stuff. And then, and then Paul realizes that this guy is such a, 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 a vital minister, such a, an encouragement, such a, 
a joy and, and to have around that he keeps them. Paul just holds on to him for a, for a season. And so Epaphroditus ends up staying there and word gets back to the church in Philippi that Epaphroditus nearly died. And so they're, now they're upset and they're sick and they're worried about him. And, uh, and, and so that makes Epaphroditus upset. The, the fact that you guys are so worried about me, but I'm fine now. And, you know, messages didn't travel as fast back then. Like I had a message from John Kendler when I got done, we teach coach soccer. I get back in my car and I've got messages from John. It said, I don't know what's going on. Abby passed out. Everybody's sick. Everybody's going to die. <laughs> it wasn't quite that dramatic, but I called John and it was, you know, two in the morning over there. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. And then the plan was we got to leave half our team behind. That's a big choice. And here's the thing as we were preparing for this trip, um, the war broke out. We'd already planned this trip, and then war in the Ukraine broke out. And maybe five or six weeks ago, John Kendler reached out to me. He was leading the trip, and he said, so what's the plan shortly after the war broke out? Are we still going? If you're not familiar with, with your geography, the Ukraine and, and Romania sit pretty close to each other. Uh, there's one small little skinny country kind of that, that divides them and part of it, but uh, you're not very far removed. Doug has been driving to the Ukraine border. It's, uh, what do you say, about a few hour drive. Yeah. So uh, it's not very far away. And the question was, well, do we still go? Because now it just got real dangerous. And John and I had a conversation that, that really boils down to, to the quote that was made earlier. Uh, you know what? Everyone has to wrestle with the possibility of being a missionary. But when even on a short-term mission trip, you need to wrestle with the real possibility that the mission is worth it to even go and deliver a message and to, to, to engage with the real possibility that you'll never come back. What if the war spills over and we've got eight of our people there? John, we have to weigh that possibility and we have to consider if, if you're still willing to go. From my perspective and from our pastoral team's perspective, we're still going. And anyone who's in is still going. And so we had a hard conversation because that was the reality that, that ended up for, for Epaphroditus. He nearly died because of it. About three or four days before the trip, Marcy was at our house, John's wife. And she was, uh, her and Rosie were probably singing and making awesome music. And, and, uh, and then I came and ruined it. So you want to make it a trio? Luckily, Kylie showed up, so the trio worked out. And I was like, you want to make it a quartet? And they're like, what was I actually going to say? <laughs> um, oh, so Marcy was there. So, so then, you know, the same conversation again takes place with me and Marcy and Rosie. How, how do you feel, Marcy, about the idea of sending your husband on a trip that should take eight days and to consider the real possibility that he may not return? The family has to wrestle with it. Corey has to consider it. A lot of people have to make some heavy choices on, on some, some trips that, you know what, when we planned it, it was simple, it was an easy trip, but then all of a sudden now there's a war. But even without a war, we have to, we have to take short-term missions. We have to take every engagement just that as serious as if it were life as it is. Because Satan is as a roaring lion, always seeking whom he may devour. And we had that same conversation uh, with Marcy and, and worked through it. And they had to count the costs and they had, they had all come to peace. And she had come to a place where, 
where she said as she was standing there in the kitchen, you know what, if John doesn't come back, it'll be awful on our family. It'll be hard on our kids, but John's going. Praise the Lord. And I said, you know, the real, it's a possibility, more likely somebody's going to get COVID and get stuck there for an extra, you know, week until you recover because you can't get back. Wasn't quite COVID, but that's, you know, that's, that's what worked out. Somebody got sick and couldn't come back. And so that was the state of, of on here with Nidus. Uh, he nearly gets sick and died. He, he is, as I would say, the uh, original Bilbo Baggins, if you remember, if you remember the, the, the Hobbit, the Hobbit's Tale, it's, uh, does anyone know the title? What's the, the unexpected journey? Yeah, uh, it's an unexpected journey. And what's it about? It's about there and back again, right? And it's about a, a short trip, the, the multiple trips. Bilbo was an explorer and he was an adventurer and he would go on these unexpected journeys uh, and he would go there and back again. And that, that rubbed off on Frodo who's his relative somehow. I don't remember the details. Um, but he, he, he left a legacy of, of missions and his, his offspring, uh, people that took that up as well. But, you know, in the beginning of the movies, you're, you're introduced to Bilbo and he's off on journeys and coming back. And then there's a scene where they're like selling off all his stuff because they think he's dead or never coming back or something. And he shows up. He's like, what are you guys doing? This is my stuff. And, uh, you know, he has to prove who he is. He's been gone so long. He's like, I'm, look, I'm, I'm Bilbo. And, and then he has this conversation with Gandalf. You guys remember Gandalf, the big wise wizard? And uh, Gandalf is telling him about, you know, adventure and opportunity to go and, and, and to be involved in, we'll, we'll say, the mission. And Bilbo asks a question. He says, you will promise that I will come back? So Bilbo was wrestling with the same thing. He was asking the same question. And Gandalf's reply was, no, but if you do, you won't be the same. And that's exactly our prayer for mission trips, even short-term mission trips. And this is something that Chris and, and Sam and I, we have to consider as we consider missions. Can we promise that everybody will come back? No, I can't. Even something as simple as London and Ireland, I can't. But our prayer is always this. That if you do come back, that you'll never be the same. Jeff said, I don't know if I'll get to go on another missions trip. I pray to, but if not, you know what? My prayer is that this trip has changed him in such a degree that he is never the same. Maybe God keeps him here in Kansas City for the rest of his life uh, to minister here. But he's a different man because of Romania and Wyatt and Abby are different because of Budapest and because of Romania. And that's our prayer, and that's what we, we want to see in terms of, uh, of short-term mission trips. So the key, the, key idea, the key theme that you get out of, out of uh, Epaphroditus' life is this, is that living for the mission requires you to disregard certain things. It will require you to take a mindset that says, whatever the mission requires. And that means I have to give up. I have got to be willing to sacrifice certain things. And Paul summarized it here for, for him. It says that he was... Uh, actually, he summarizes it in Philippians 3, verse 8, like this. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. That's the summary of Paul's life. That would summarize 
uh, Epaphroditus's focus and vision as well in terms of missions is that I count all things but lost. All things are done. The excellency of the cause of Christ, that I might win some, that I might win Christ. Quickly, the, the name Epaphroditus is, is simply means lovely or delightful. It's rooted in the name of the Greek goddess Aphrodite. Uh, so he was named after that, that goddess. It was a fairly common name at that time. Um, Greek gamblers, you know, before they would roll the dice, would invoke Aphrodite, uh, the goddess also not only of love, and, but also of gamblers, um, with, the, with a phrase that, that it would have been Epaphroditos, which would mean the favor of Aphrodite beyond my, my gambling. May the, may the gods reward my gambling. So that's who he was. And so we could get a lot into his background. He had a rough background there, there. It's likely that he was at one time a slave. This was a name that was often given to a slave. Um, more specifically, it was given to a slave that would serve either in the temple or in the manner of the worship of Aphrodite, which would include all forms of sexual perversion and, and, and deviation. So uh, as, a, as a man, he would have been used as a boy in particular in that manner. So he had a rough upbringing and, and he, he certainly had a lot to, to want to get away from. And, he, and, and then he gets saved. Somehow he gets to know Christ. He gets plugged in and, and, and he starts following after the Lord. He gets set free from all of that that was in his past. Hold it, hold it there, but he's set free and he gives his whole life over to Christ coming out of a horrible past. And then you just get a couple things about his character. Because Paul gives you just a couple statements about his character that I want to share with you and relate to missions uh, in, the last, in these last few minutes. So Epaphroditus is number one. He says, my brother. This is the way that Paul introduces us to Epaphroditus, which means that, that he is now a believer. Obviously, he's part of the body of Christ. But it also gives us, in terms of, the, in terms of missions, I would say this, that missions uh, will require a brotherhood, even short-term mission trips. When we're prepping and planning for missions, we must remember that we are not just a group of people that are going to accomplish a work, but we are a family. The preparation and the lead up to a mission strip should be designed so that we get to know and to love one another, because you're going to end up in a situation where this, where, where Jeff is in, is in life fellowship and the Wyatts, the Wyatts, the Wyatts, I'm going to go with that because that's Pakistani. That's the, that would be appropriate. You would be Abby Wyatt if we were in Pakistan. I'm just going to roll with it. The marshes uh, are, are in, in Kaya. And just because of the size of our church now, it's, it's you know, you, you, you can know each other, but you don't really know each other. You know, we don't overlap a whole lot in ministry. Uh, and there's enough people that are like that. And when we get these teams together for mission trips, you can get that where you don't really know people. And if you haven't put some time in building a relationship up front and getting to know each other, uh, it's going to make the trip a lot more difficult, especially when you get to that moment where you go, uh, this chick's passed out on the floor. Uh, Hi, what's your name again? <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> missions were short-term mission trips as well. And we want to make sure that as we begin to, to build into our teams, we want to make sure that we are, we are building up a relationship that will be able to withstand the, the struggles and the difficulties that come up. And I've got two brothers. I love them. We fought. 
Sometimes that happened, but you know what? This, was, this is what mission trips do. They're, they're tough and you spend a lot of time together and, and they may test you a little bit. You may get a little, little frustrated with somebody's personality quirks. Uh, and if you don't love them like a brother, that's going to drive you insane. There's things about my brother that I, you know what? If he wasn't my brother, I'd slap him for it. If he wasn't my brother, maybe I wouldn't hang around him as much. But because he's my brother, I love him and I can deal with it. You got to spend all night on a train. You got to spend a few days on a plane, however long it takes. You start learning stuff about people. Missions requires us to, to make sure that we are more than just a, a body of people who gather together on a Sunday morning. We share more in common than just that this is the church that we attend. We share a brotherhood, and we have to. Next thing it says that he is my companion in labor. So um, it's one that is now engaging. He's one that's sharing in the mission as well with uh, Epaphrodite, Paul. And uh, this is the next thing that, that comes into play. Missions will require you as well to join in the labor with, uh, oftentimes with new brothers and sisters, people that you don't know. We're going to build these short-term teams and you don't know who you're getting in, involved with. They become family, but they become co-workers now. now. I don't know what your work environment's like. I'm a nurse in a work environment in the emergency room. Uh, it's such that when my, when my co-workers need help, I'm there for them. I got your back. Because if I don't, people die. Rosie and I watched a, a movie last night, um, police. And in one scene, uh, they knew these two officers who just met. They knew they knew dangerous and they were likely to, to end up in a shootout. And the officer looked at the male and said, I just need to know that you got my back. And the, and the male officer just said, if you wear the badge, I've got your back. Which meant we are co-laborers together in this. And no matter what goes I've got your back. If you're getting shot at, I'm shot at. If you're doing the work, I'm doing the work. And we have to take that mindset even into our short-term trips. It cannot just be about going and having fun and seeing a good thing. It means uh, when there's work to be done, we do it together. So put your hand to the plow. I'm going to skip these verses because we want to push through. And this is important. The mission can never be accomplished alone. The mission is not ever a one-man show it will require all of us to join into it the next thing it says is that epaphroditus is a fellow soldier that's a, a unique word um it's only used twice paul reserves that word for people that are apparently very very special to him he didn't just ever toss it around uh he had a lot of brothers he had a lot of co-laborers he had two fellow soldiers epaphroditus is one of them uh, the other time it is mentioned is in Philemon, I believe, of Archippus. Is that the name? Miller's trying to pull it out. Alphia and, and I think Archippus. Okay. So this is unique, but this, is, again, is, is a very strong word. It means it, it, it's like what I just, that example I just gave you. When things get really difficult, like you expect to go in, and, to go in on an Easter egg hunt, Sunday event, we're doing service, and, and you have the work, that you expect, but then all of a sudden it takes a turn. And it becomes a battle. It becomes spiritual warfare. Now all of a sudden everybody's getting sick. And now we're in a fight. Now somebody's got to stay behind and we've got to make hard decisions. And, 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 and now all of a sudden Jeff went there to, to be a minister. And, but now all of a sudden he's a nurse too. And he's got, he's got a new role uh, 
that he that he's trained for, but he didn't necessarily plan for, right? And missions will require us to, to learn how to be a soldier. Missions will require us to learn how to use the sword. And this is what I love about the testimonies that you just heard. Every one of them who got up here opened the word and said, this is what God showed me while I was there. Because the, the, the word, the sword, the word of the Lord was active in their life as they were going through the difficult things. I can't get up. I can't travel. What am I going to do? I'm gonna, I have to fall back on what the word says. Missions will require you to fight. Even short-term trips. We have to go with this mindset. As we go thinking it could be fun and games, but it will absolutely require us to fight. And it will require you to be willing to give your life. It then says that he is one that ministered to my wants. Paul speaks specifically about Epaphroditus' willingness to come and invest in him. We, when we go on short-term mission trips, we must be willing to go and to invest and minister to their wants. Uh, what, what does Doug need? That trumps what, what we need and what we want to do. What does Kale need? And how can we minister to them? How can we love them um, before the trip? Who went? Lindsay. Lindsay was with you guys. No, Haley was with you guys. Haley was with you. They look so much alike. It's the curly hair. Haley came to me and she said, how can we minister to Kale? What kind of gift can we take them? You know, because this is Kansas City and like the default, it's like, take them some barbecue sauce. <laughs> they don't have any good barbecue sauce there. He'll appreciate that. Who wouldn't? And you should. I mean, you should. If you're going somewhere, you should take some Kansas City barbecue sauce. I don't care where you go. That's a good gift. All right. Everybody's going to love it. But what I loved about this is that she said, but how do we minister to them specifically? What do they need? You know Kale better than I do. I said, well, let me ask Jeff, Jeff Bartell. And I sent a message to Jeff. And I was like, you, you know Kale even better than I do. How do we love him? Is there, is there a, a zoo? Can we, can we buy them a, a family zoo pass? Can we just give them something that they could do as a family that they would be able to spend spend some time together that would give them some, some rest, but we need to minister to their wants as well, not just their needs, but their wants to take care of them. And that has to be a mindset that we take into uh, our short-term mission trips. That was the mindset of Epaphroditus. I will take care of everything you need, and I'll go far beyond that, and, and I'll get you what you want. David is at war, and David just makes this comment that maybe he should have kept to himself. He's like, oh, you know that well? Oh, I would love to have some water from that well, you know, that's in the middle of the, the, the battle zone, controlled by the enemy. You know that well over there in Jerusalem? That, oh, man. That'd be like him going, mm, Gates barbecue sauce, you know? I just can't find any here in town. That's what he was doing. He's doing it of his hometown water. And he just said, you know what? Not only are we willing to go to war for you, but this is stupid. We're going to go grab that water. <laughs> Short-term missions, that's how it works. And last, he was a messenger. When we go on short-term mission trips, we must also know that we, we do carry a message. We go to do a work and, uh, and we have a specific message. And the message oftentimes is simple. The message here was Midtown Baptist Temple loves you. You go as an extension of us. You go as a representative of us. Sam couldn't go. I couldn't go. None of the pastors went on this trip. Uh, but when you go, you carry a message, and it's a powerful message. When you're willing to 
get on a plane and to sacrifice your time and your money and your life to go and to see people. Nothing communicates love to a missionary more than that, showing up on their doorstep and saying, here we are. Hey, if you just want to play board games and hang out, let's do it. I love you. And by the way, Midtown loves you. We didn't send either one of those missionaries. Kale's not from us, and neither is Doug specifically. They're not from us. But you know what? Once we decided that we, we were going to support them, we didn't decide just to send them money. We decided that we would engage in the mission with them. We would engage in life with them. And the opportunity to send some people to just show up and say, hey, Kale, as an extension of Midtown, here we are. Uh, Jeff and Katya Bloom, Blum, 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 Blum. We're in town about a month ago. Uh, they work with Love Justice International. We support that ministry. And uh, she, they actually came and spoke at KU for me. They, they did a presentation and, and to, my, to my students about trafficking and got to speak with them that morning. And, and then they were heading straight to the airport to go to California. And Katya mentioned that she was trying to connect with Sam and they were a little sad. They didn't get to see Sam, but they were only in town for a couple of days and it just didn't work out. And, uh, and that was a Tuesday. I mentioned it to Sam that evening. I saw Jeff and Katya this morning. They, they were bummed that, that they didn't get to see you while they were here. It was a quick trip. And Sam's response was, but they, they saw you, right? I said, well, yeah, I spent the morning with them. He goes, well, then they saw me. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, if they met with you, then they met with me. What's the difference? And I get what Sam was saying. And it was a powerful, powerful statement. I mean, other than the face and, you know, the personality and just, you know, you like the love for who Sam is. What Sam is saying is if you've met with James, it's as, it's as good as meeting with me in terms of being able to communicate the mission or, or deliver your support or anything that you need from me. What he was saying is James can do it, too. And we don't always get to send our pastors everywhere, but when we send you, it's just as good. You go representing, you go representing Midtown, you go representing Sam, you go representing the Lord. And it's the same thing that the Lord has done. He's not here. But God says, well, you've got the Holy Spirit. And you go, yeah, but I wanted to see Jesus. And he goes, what's the difference? I mean, you got the Spirit. Yeah, but I thought maybe I'd just get to see his face. You go, but I gave you the word. What's the difference? I gave you what you needed. Turn to Ezekiel 47. I want to give you just one last thought to leave as, as a chat for Faith Fellowship. You know, on Tuesday night, we were in Ezekiel 40. I told you this is the beginning of this dream mission strip as Ezekiel is transported in a vision into missions. This is a continuation of that. He hasn't come out of that yet. Verse 40, 47, verse 1. Don't get lost in all those details. The temple, a lot of water coming out, all right? And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the water. So he's bringing him out into this river. And the waters were to the ankles. You go a thousand cubits, and it's not very deep. The waters were to the ankles. Now, this is a big river. A thousand cubits is about 1,500 feet. Uh, that's about a quarter mile. If you were to go out on the corner of 40th and Walnut and actually head west, that'd take you about to Broadway. So that's the distance he's being taken each time. So 
it, th this whole thing, it, this, this is a big river. He's going a mile into it before he gets, here's the thing. He goes a thousand cubits and it's shallow. He goes a long way and he's not very deep. It's, it's only up to the ankle. This is the way that mission works. And this is even the way that growth in, in God in a walk with the Lord works. He brings you in and, and you might go a long time and it's very deep, but you're in. And, and you go, you know, the, the same distance further and you're still not in very deep, but it's getting deeper. It's up to the knees. And they go another thousand before it's up here. And then you really feel like you're starting to get into it. I don't know if you've ever been in a river that really moves. I was in a river in, in, in Honduras once that was only up to my ankles. And it was still so strong. I thought it was going to sweep me away at times. Like I couldn't keep my feet down. I don't know what you're thinking. You're like, it's, yeah, you're like 88 pounds. <laughs> like a normal man would have been fine. But anyway... If it would have been any deeper, it would have got me. And you had to go another thousand before you get into this river. And this is what God wants to do. And sometimes this is how mission strips happen. You think you're going in knee deep. And then all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night and you realize it's so deep you're swimming. You're like, God brought that on real quick. And sometimes that happens. The other side of it is also true. And it's this, Faith Fellowship, what, what, what will you do for the Lord in missions this year? How is God challenging you? Because a lot of people have walked in a thousand meters, a thousand cubits, and you're standing ankle deep, but you've been standing there for years. And this isn't, a, this isn't about time. It's about going deeper with the Lord. And some of you are saying, I'm in, look, and I've been in for a long time. But you never got deep enough to swim. This is where God is trying to bring you. You're like, but I'm in. I'm just gonna stay, I'm just gonna stay here, ankle deep. I'm in. You're not. You're not in. He wants you to go farther. And some of you have gone a little farther and it's up to the knees, but you, and you're going, man, this is good. This, this is a little scary when it gets that deep. And oh man, I'm but I'm in. Well, listen, God wants you to go deeper. And so in, as we close, that's it. How does God want to use in the mission? And are you willing to all the way in to a river that cannot be crossed to where the only thing you can do is get swept away in the Lord and trust him and count on him? Like, I can't touch, I can't swim it. It said that it was so big, so strong, so deep, so powerful. You can't even control it. I can't go where I want to go anymore. And that's the thing about going a thousand cubits in. You're ankle deep. You can still control it knee deep, waist deep, all of those things. But what God is leading you is to the place where you're absolutely broken. Your body doesn't work. You've passed out and you're going, I don't know what to do. Uh, I, I'm supposed to be going home and I can't. God deal with this. And I don't even know how to handle it. God wants you to jump in, all in, all the way in. So take, it, take, take stock. We have one minute. Where are you at? How deep have you gone? And how deep are you willing to go this year? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for uh, Romania and Hungary team. God, for the, the members that we got to hear from this morning and from their heart and the way that you were speaking to them. And God, it was, it's a blessing uh, to hear and, and to see uh, the report from them. Uh, Lord, I pray, you to pray that it would be a challenge to us and that we would, would like Epaphroditus, be willing to, to put our, even our own lives on the line for the cause of your mission. Because you are, you are a God who is absolutely worth everything. God, you created us. 
You made us. You gave us everything that we have, everything that we are. And then you ask for that back. Would we all look at ourselves and say, what do you want from me? And how do you get more? God, I want to get in deep. I want to get all in with you. God, lead us in, into your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.